Always remember your enemies think that they're doing what's right. They think they're the hero and you're the villain. But now you know the truth. There is no good, there is no bad, only weak or strong. And now that we've shed our weakness, it's time to show our strength. If you do that, I promise you, you will be unstoppable. Welcome to No Mercy, a Cobra Kai kickback. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I represent Miyagi-Do because I love calling the popo on people for their own good. And my name is Jim Scampoli. I represent Cobra Kai, meaning you won't find me in no rehab because I ain't no quitter. Uh, what a great uh, that speech, that speech at the start, uh, the clip we had, it, it feels very like there is no good, there is no bad, there is only karate, and those <laughs> too weak to use it. Uh, we are, of course, talking about season three, episode two, Nature versus Nurture. Um, we have the same directors as last episode, John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg. Um, story by our dream team, the the big three, uh, Josh Held, Held? Yeah. Josh Hield, John Hurwitz, Hayden Schlossberg, and with the addition of Joe Pieroli and Lewin Tom- Thomas who are also the actual writers of the script itself, the teleplay. So created the story together, then they banged out the script. And as you know, Jim, once you've created the story, that script just flies out your fingers. So yes, it does. Uh, great collaboration all around. This is episode two of season three. What are your initial thoughts before we dive into the actual uh, events of the episode? Well, actually, let me give a quick side question. And I don't mean to pull us too off the topic here. Is it about uh, flashbacks? Do you think, because for people that don't know, season three was recorded under YouTube premium. Like, I've heard some mm-hmm. people say that this is their first Netflix season. And like, yes, it's their first Netflix like premiered season, but this has been done for almost a year. It was recorded under YouTube premium. Do you think we'll see a difference in the show look or budget with a season four under the Netflix banner of Cobra Kai? Uh, that's an interesting question. Have you noticed, like, I don't know. I, I never really feel or felt that the show was, you know, lacking in budget, really. Agreed. Uh, I agree. Because we, we talked about before how a lot of shows, when they're driving in a car to the beach or whatever, they just have a green screen thing, and now they're actually bothering to make it look real and stuff. And, it, like, obviously the fight scenes can get bigger and more complex. But apart from that, it's never really strained as far as the budget. Um, so I I don't know. I assume there might be a bit more money, just be- not because it's Netflix, but just because the show is infinitely more popular now. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I mean, I, I yeah, I've seen a couple people say like, oh, just wait till season four because then they'll have the Netflix money behind them. And I mean, I guess maybe, I guess potentially we'll have CG characters and... Um, <laughs> time travel and demogorgons or whatever the fuck uh like a cg mr miyagi doing uh, new scenes oh my god yeah that'd be great um yeah (laughs) but anyways yes so back to the task at hand just a quick side question if you have any thoughts on that if you're a listener please hit us up at shows which you know show at gmail.com i do go pointing out the car thing i think a couple times in this season they they went with the old uh, mm-hmm. in a screen. Green screen. Maybe they did Fair. have a lesser budget this season or they put money towards other things. But anyways, if you have a thought on that, hit us up. Um, this is the infamous 
uh, the start of flashbacks, like not the flashbacks I dislike, the flashbacks you dislike, apparently. <laughs> Because Generally. I I dislike the flashbacks to things that were a couple episodes ago, uh, yeah. especially in a Netflix point of view, because you you're usually binging it anyways. Um, and then even in this, it's not like Netflix. It's it's not like season two was on Netflix in May of 2019, and we waited this long for a new season. You know, Th- those are the flashbacks I get a little uh, you know uh, upset about. Now, I'm with you on them. I, I just don't get as heated. And I don't dislike, you know, in-universe fictional flashbacks like the one with Kreese. I don't dislike them as much as you dislike those other flashbacks. I'm just more predisposed to go like, ah, oh, here we go. Some some backstory instead of story, as I said in the, the quick take, which will always vary depending on flashbacks. But it's, yeah, I definitely have a totally unscientific unreasonable dislike of flashbacks and dream sequences and but, i'm often proved wrong like this is a generalization yeah. i i'm i'm just rarely excited by them you know i get sometimes i get excited because i do feel mm. like backstory can be a very creative way to fill in story and also like set things up uh, I mean, we're not talking, we won't get into too many specifics here, just that this, this will be an ongoing thing throughout the season. Just talking in general, um, I enjoy it sometimes. I enjoy a better understanding of a character or motives. Don't get me wrong, it can, it can also be a very lazy thing. I guess it's, you know, it's similar to like voiceover or something. A lot of people get very upset about voiceover. I tech, I, I, typically tend to enjoy it i mean i most i recently watched goodfellas yet again the other night yeah uh and i mean obviously that's like the creme de la creme moi of uh of voiceover so it's it's hard to throw that in someone's face but uh i love it yeah it was uh I, i'm not sure if innovative is the right word but i watched uh Never Have I Ever, which is Mindy Kaling's show that she's not in it, but she's like behind the scenes. And in that one, they just have a random uh, tennis player do the voiceover for this teen girl. So it's like a teen show about a teen girl, but the voiceover is by uh, like 1970s famous tennis player who's just, and he is that tennis player. Like he's talking as him, but he's commenting on the story. It's never really explained why he's the one doing the voiceover, uh, but it's kind of great. So when people do stuff with it, uh, I I enjoy it. Anyway, not talking about voiceovers, talking about flashbacks. I think the thing for me is just usually that i like it in small doses i think people go a bit overboard and i'm like i don't want to sit through this forever ever and ever in this example we will be able to discuss it in in more detail i'm sure but like the first bit of this the very first scene uh it's excellent right because it sets up uh crease as basically being someone who would have you know he's miguel he's a he's a nerd back in the day yeah which it's weird because it's like that's logical but i and i, I can't blame cobra kai for this but it's just you know, in this world we live in of prequels, it's hard for me not to roll my eyes a bit. Like, yeah, of course the villain was a bu- like was bullied or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess he wasn't quite like he wasn't like a, as Johnny would say a pussy completely because he is this fucking big ass ripped dude. It's almost like ridiculous that he'd be bullied by anyone. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. because Handsome he as well. <laughs> he does immediately like like 
Because it's not even so much that he's bullied and then like a while later he fights back. It's almost like the later that day he just fights back. It's like he respects his job too much to do it on the clock or something. Um, And they have a lot of fun with playing with your expectations, which I do enjoy because I think I mentioned this in my initial thoughts. When I see that car and it's 1965, I have to roll my eyes because I'm like, please don't do this. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously they're teasing Miyagi like... I don't want them to do this with Miyagi, but I feel like a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people want them to do this with Miyagi because a lot of fans on social media tweet a lot at the creators about like having a young Mr. Miyagi TV show. And to me, that is yeah. the worst idea I've ever heard. I don't want that. And I don't really want to see a young Miyagi. Uh, but hey, that's just my point of view. Where are you at on something like that? Well, up to a point, I'm always like, well, we would have thought, we thought Cobra True. Kai would be terrible before we knew yeah. it. But then I'm also like, we have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> and this yeah. is where yeah. I draw the line. I don't want a Mr. Miyagi TV show. If they want to go off and do a Gremlins show, I don't have an, as any attachment. I, I think you have more of an opinion oh, I, there. I hate that. There's, but like this idea that they should take the Cobra Kai concept and transplant it to other uh, like not necessarily the creators, but in general, like because it's been so successful, transplanted to other franchises. It's like you can, but if you try to mass produce Cobra Kai like content, it will fail just due to the fact that it doesn't have enough heart behind it. Like you can't transplant the doing a good story. Like if people see this and go like, ah, oh, this is what people want. Uh, fuck uh, sequels. We're gonna do like reboot quills, like but they're in universe or whatever. Way later, it's like. That's not why people like this. That's yeah. that's just the concept. And you can always make a good or bad show, never mind the concept. But it's like, I feel like someone who would want a Mr. Miyagi TV show is uh, kind of asking for Cobra Kai to be ruined. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, they do the switcheroo kind of with the car. And then, of course, they want you to think that this bully jock guy is, you know, um, crease. They even go so as far as casting Martin Cove's real life son, Jesse Cove to play the bully here. Um, and he even has a comment, something about no mercy or, or something or other when they're talking about beating a rival team at the game or something like that. Uh, but then of course it's the, the waiter with the big hair, I uh, gotta love this guy's hair, by the way. Uh, who who we do get the reveal that he's Crease, um, and he's being bullied. Which I mean, again, I can't. It's not a Cobra Kai's fault that I kind of am apprehensive with this. It's just because there's so many prequels, and a lot for whatever reason, a lot of prequels are about the villains, and they're mm-hmm. and it's it's just well trodden territory. Um, I still have faith in Cobra Kai and especially the big three in making this good. But initially, I'm like, ah, all right, what are we doing? And then, you know, we'll see what we're doing as we discuss these episodes. Yeah, the uh, the sort of swerve didn't get me because I, I guess I was just expecting them to do something more than that and like just having crease be a dickhead back then like as soon as he kind of bumped into that guy i'm not trying to toot my own horn i'm just saying that i was like oh this is yeah this is probably crease right but but that's more because i was thinking of like back to the future and like similar scenes and like the people working there are the important characters rather than well anyway I just mayor maybe i should be the mayor <laughs> i was thinking of that specifically yeah um and but the fact that it is his son i really i don't 
I usually don't care too much about like all the easter eggs and everything but i think that's so fun that's yeah. such a great move because it makes the whole because at first i was like ah uh, don't like you know don't disrespect my intelligence by going for too long on the we go, we're supposed to think this is crease thing i don't think they did that but like the fact that it's to sort of like well good good on you that's just fun that's just uh yeah. fucking with people in the funnest way and sort of doing the unexpected which they're usually so good at and i'd say this is uh really no exception here so but i do understand the apprehension because i i th- i'm so tied by this spoiler thing i'm not going to say any more right now i mean <laughs> so and maybe we, we should move to the next scene i mean even beyond that we do learn that um Chris's mom killed herself uh because yeah. that's why, like, the guy's calling him, like, a freak, and his mom's a freak. Like, it's a very mean bully. Uh, and then, you know, we kind of, we, we get back into present day, uh, and we got Kreese with the, with the Cobra Kai's. Um, and is Hawk already doing his kind of, like, oh, what have I become looks? He's doing it a little bit, isn't he? He de- yeah, he is. Even yeah. as he's given the speech about how the fight at the school was an embarrassment and you lost soldiers and you lost the battle, we see Hawk kind of doing his Theon Greyjoy kind of yeah. looking into space. That's even before Chris starts doing bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's immediately true. on that level. Um, yeah, they're basically, well, Chris is talking about how this won't go unanswered. We will show no mercy. Uh, and basically, uh, that they're going to strike back hard. Yeah. It says right on there on the wall. Yeah. Although, no, well, no, strike back, strike hard, no mercy. It's basically the point. And then we have Miguel. He's, you know, he's awake now, but he's up, still uh, in the hospital, obviously. And what his mom's telling him how, like, uh, Dimitri brought him a comic, but it's not UV protect. Like, the cover's not, like, it's in, like, a plastic baggie, but it's not UV protecting, so don't keep it by the sun i know a lot about that because i collect posters now and i'm like damn i need to get uv protection for these things uh (laughs) can't put them in direct sunlight so i can relate to dimitri on some of the some of the strats he's given here (laughs) my favorite part of that is like this is from your pale friend dimitri (laughs) oh yeah that's right yeah (laughs) great stuff and uh yeah Um, that culminates with the where's sensei but uh, but also I, like, enough. but it's like, were is there supposed to be a fake out here too? Was I supposed to think he was gonna say something else? Because like, where's sensei? Because she's like, water, well, uh, wheat. What do you need? Wheat thins. Do you want to get high? Do you want to smoke weed? <laughs> yeah, you is want that weed? it? Legalize weed. Um, uh i think i don't think it's a fake out for us i think it is for her mom because her mom obviously his mom jesus sorry his mom is obviously uh told sensei lawrence to fuck off so she is here and that moment is just for her to to show that she is very eager to accommodate whatever he wants and then to have him ask for uh his sensei and to have that kind of be a moment um so for her, for his mother, uh, and then we cut to where his sensei is in a car with Daniel Larusso, and there it's kind of echoing when they've been in a car before, kind of when they were were grooving to some cool music, uh, but this time Daniel won't even let him turn on the the stereo. He wants him to drink a, a juice and uh, just fucking get his shit together so they can go find uh, Robbie, uh, or they're going to talk to Robbie's mom first. But yeah, yeah. So the lead that Daniel has is Robbie's mom, who's in the re- last we saw she was going into rehab, and as we see, she's at some like really nice like resort like rehab, which is like 
I mean, I don't know. Is it because the LaRussos did this? Because remember when, like, the power was getting turned off and the rent and all that? So I assume this is because of the LaRussos are helping out or what? Yeah, it was. That was the situation where where his mom showed up before the deal was sort of that she was going to go to rehab. And I think the LaRussos are paying for it. Yeah. Great, and, great family. I do need. I meant to call it out a, a bit in the end of the last episode, but it's, it's just as apt here. But Ralph Macchio has like an extra poof in his hair in this episode, which makes him look even younger. <laughs> this dude looks so young, but also like I don't know because he's always got the little swoosh of his hair. Uh, but yeah, in this yeah. one, it's like got, got an extra like volume or flavor to it. So I see, he just looks I like swear a, it's just when his face is at certain angles, you can see lines like you can yeah. like, ah, he is not 25. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time it's like, fuck, man. <laughs> but when they get that nice poof on his hair, when he's got the swoosh going, oh, man, forget about it. Uh, but then, yeah, yeah, it's hilarious when because they think that Johnny's checking himself in like, oh, it's this is the a great important uh, first step for you and all that. And uh, that's stuff, when yeah. he's like, I'm no quitter. And uh, what's even better about this little back and forth is they never bother to correct the lady. She just walks <laughs> away thinking that he's checking himself in. Cause even Daniel's like, ha ha. Yeah, I bet we'll see. And then they just walk away. So as far as that lady's concerned, he's uh, you know, a new uh, applicant Patient, here at yeah. this rehab. Yeah. It's great stuff. Um, so they talk. I don't remember that much about the conversation. Um, I'm sort of looking it up now. But the outcome of the conversation is that uh, that they need to find the two criminals from season one who Robbie was always hanging out with. That is the lead they're delivered. Yeah. Um, and they, there's some jokes about, uh, you know, truck truckosaurus or whatever yep. i don't know if i mean obviously the point being johnny doesn't believe in rehab uh he's no quitter and uh he doesn't respect her for being in there uh, <laughs> or give her anything <laughs> doesn't give her an inch <laughs> yeah yeah i guess she's even kind of like not really shots but she's like a little surprised like he's even involved and uh, yeah, it's a little back and forth, but yeah, eventually it just comes down to, but even she's just like, you know, one of the guys vaguely Latin and another guy looks like Chris Brown, very problematic descriptions, but we do, but she does nail it Which on the head. You can see why you can see why, uh, she and Johnny were together <laughs> yeah. with these problematic descri- descriptions. Uh, um, but she's also nailed. Daniel knows where they're at as well. Yes. Yeah. He there in jail. Um, but before we get there, we have Chris is starting to do disturbing things by bringing out like a, a guinea pig or mouse. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they cute, named it yeah, Clarence anyway. Yeah, cute little yeah. mouse he gives to Bert, and then uh, they want it. Well, Hawk wants to name it Hawk Junior, which I thought is great. <laughs> yes, uh, and then name him Clarence, and of course, it's like. I mean, I guess I get it. These kids, like a lot of the kids that leave here are like kind of like they look way younger and they're like nerdier. And obviously yeah. this is the plan to weed out the nerds because lest we forget that Cobra Kai was built on like outcasts. Well, when Johnny rebuilt it anyways. Um, but it's like, have they not been around the past few weeks? Like clearly with Crease, this is not going to go well. How do they not see this? <laughs> They're dumb. This is the yeah. This is the start of the Great Purge. Yes, um, where Kreese remakes Cobra Kai in his own image. Um, and yeah, 
it's um, like I feel like the kids who leave now, with the exception of Bert, I guess, uh, <laughs> it's not like they, or like maybe there's not that many of them. Maybe it's just him. I don't remember if anyone, uh, I don't think anyone else actually, oh no, sorry, they do. Yeah, a bunch of them leave. The clip there. Yeah, a bunch of them leave. You're right. Sorry. Um, they don't look like they were in the fight in the school, you <laughs> know, because in the fight in the school, it was fucking serious shit. <laughs> Everyone was like ride or die. And then uh, we can see them here and they're, but then an animal can bring out the childlike light in anyone's eyes, never mind their age. So yeah. anyway, it's just one of Kreese's tactics to harden up the whole place. And it, now Hawk kind of has Miguel's role because Miguel was always the one who, after Johnny did something crazy, Miguel would go and like, uh, Sensei, that was kind of uh, crazy. And now Hawk is the one who goes in and says that, oh, um, maybe we should be trying to get more students, not less. I don't know. And... Uh, I I think Chris says that uh, uh like they're just getting rid of the weak ones or whatever yeah. like it's addition by subtraction ex- exactly yeah. yeah that's what it is addition yeah. by subtraction which I mean if we're being fair he's completely right because it's basically all the like ten year old kids that are a part of it have left because <laughs> it's all these little kids <laughs> and maybe they yeah, I don't really a- want them to be around Chris <laughs> like all, yeah. ideally all of them should not be around Chris but getting the some of them are not around Chris <laughs> is. Uh, is also good. Um, Chris also says here that they are going to need a new champion, like someone with no fear and all of that and no mercy. And obviously Hawk, like we said, he's already the new Miguel in that he's the one talking to Chris. He was kind of a little bit Chris's protege season two. Remember when he went back in the place and was beating up the punching bag and then Chris yeah. was there lurking like a dragon in his den. Um, so of course he kind of reads it as, well, that might be me. Uh, but then we cut immediately to Tori and that whole storyline and how Chris is going after getting uh, Tori back in, in the club. So it kind of seems like maybe he's got his eye on her to be the new champion. Yeah, he's playing it really well, though, because he, he knows that Hawk, he's kind of gassing Hawk up a bit, but that's not what he means. Yeah, he means Tori. And I mean, overall with the episode and especially like to play into the flashback that we open up with and how we learn about Kreese's family is, I mean, his mom, obviously, and I know I'm jumping around, but he does mention how his mom was sick, but it was a different kind of sick. Uh, and he is being the hero kind of because he's helping Tori and it would make yeah. sense on why she would fully back crease and, you know, be loyal to him because we're seeing that even though Kreese is like the ultimate villain, we have this scummy landlord here that we meet as Tori's trying to be a caretaker to her mom and dialysis. And what does he call diabetes or something like that? And of course he makes some vague references to maybe having sex with her uh, for rent. Uh, so it's a very bad situation. And Kreese is like the one hero coming in to help her. Yeah, he the scummy landlord says it's not my job to keep track of excuses. It's my job to cash rent checks. Not a job. All landlords <laughs> should be first up yeah. against the wall. Uh, you are simply extracting as as many droplets as you can from the working class. But that's just my uh, philosophy bleeding into the show. He is a scumbag so, though. Does a great job of representing yeah. what landlords are like. Um, Although to be Tories, fair, he is doing a job while he, like he is fixing stuff. There's he's absolutely he's definitely like cutting off someone's power because they haven't paid their rent. He's not <laughs> yeah, helping right. anyone there. Jim. Yeah, you're totally right. 
<laughs> and he hasn't fixed the leak yet. Like, yeah. this is, uh, remember, this is basically like Mr. Miyagi's job. So this is like yeah. a horrible parallel. We have the best maintenance man ever in the in this universe. And now we have an example of the worst um, as well. He doesn't have a Miyagi to actually get, keep things running. He just is fucking up people's electricity. Um, when he makes this reference about how, you know, his her mom on dialysis and everything, is, she's going to be out in the street unless you do something, sweet cheeks. Uh, Tori, of course, like, is about to beat him up, but he points out that what's your probation officer going to say about that? So she's kind of in a bind. She yeah. can't really do uh, do anything. And so that's why Kreese is able to be the hero, much like he is in the flashback. What's great about this, too, is that it's basically just um, Johnny and Miguel's apartment place, but kind of just like they throw a few bushes around it or <laughs> like shot from a different angle. I swear angle. these are all like, I always get confused with like, yeah, there's Johnny and Miguel's place, even the original Karate Kid yeah. uh, place. Where, I mean, obviously they have the pool, but when they go back there and then this place, I'm just like, yeah, man, it's <laughs> LA, I guess. <laughs> the Valley. <laughs> it would be great if then um, you, you stumble upon this perverted guy, like this, like, scumbag landlord whatever but then he's trying to catch flies with chopsticks it's like oh even he's but then we go into a flashback he was actually a good kid once but he got bullied or you know whatever so it goes That's season eight stuff <laughs> yeah. we'll get there um so what is fsp it says like fsp prisoner on these uh in this place where Johnny and Daniel uh, show up to talk to these kids. Because I think Johnny says, like, worse than rehab, nicer than jail. So they're not in jail. They're in- oh, that's a good question. I honestly don't know. Um, I I assumed what they meant is that they were in some sort of, like, juvie. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. FSP is not Florida State. Yeah, because that's Google. what came up when I Googled um, it, too. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I guess so as well. Um and I'm going to cut myself off because spoilers. So <laughs> I was about yeah. to say something and I'm not. Uh, so let's not get into it. It's, it seems like Juvie, although these two I would have assumed are like 18. Like, look at them. That's uh, true. Yeah, it does seem like they wouldn't be in Juvie. They're too old for that. But maybe they were just dealt the people, a bad hand. And, uh, the people around them are also very much not under 18 as well. So yeah. like the just in the background. Um, but I was just confused because he says like it's nicer than jail. But I always get confused. What is jail? What is prison? All of these things. I have no idea. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, it's just a throwaway comment from uh, from Johnny. Um, they're there to play good cop, bad cop, get some information. Johnny's annoyed that... Daniel is successfully bad copping them, that they're not respecting him at all. Uh, and he starts punching them. And it's kind of fucked up. Like, e- even though it's comical, it's kind of fucked up because they've already kind of agreed to talk. And then Johnny just kind of hits this guy twice. And the prison guard looks away. And I'm like, I know I'm on your side, Johnny. And I know you're supposed to be a douchebag, but this feels bad this doesn't seem like a good thing because they already were like respecting daniel and we're probably gonna talk and then he hits him twice but it's also funny so you know yeah i didn't sword i didn't like this really i i I don't know why i mean not that because obviously this is not a show that's known for like realism but this just Mm -hmm. felt too comical because even like i mean it's a funny bit that the guard like doesn't care but i don't know whatever reason this just didn't work for me um, I, but I get, but I also have to acknowledge that, like, obviously the whole idea with this episode is to make um, Daniel and Johnny, like, literally buddy cops. Like, so they yes. they do reference Tango and Cash uh, 
in this uh, episode, and they are kind of going for that vibe of like an 80s action movie. So I kind of have to give it up to that. But I don't know. For whatever reason, I, it, it wasn't like I do think it's funny. It just wasn't making me laugh. And I didn't really love it. Yeah, uh, I get that. It did work for me, uh, but it's also like Daniel, you know, later on in the episode is like, oh, you're never going to change or whatever. Go <laughs> go fuck off, Johnny. But like, he's really bad from the start, like in punching this guy <laughs> twice for seemingly no reason other than just wanting to kind of out bad cop Daniel because Daniel thumped the table. So then he has to punch him twice. Um, but all oh. the same, it, it did work for me because I was so on board with the 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 buddy cop thing is this supposed to be Folsom State Prison that's FSB in California but that's like uh, isn't that like Johnny Cash and shit <laughs> uh, I guess it's a uh, it's one of 35 adult institutions in California Folsom is the second oldest prison after San Quentin one of the first but it's like a maximum security it can't be that Let's not worry about it, Jim. Yeah, we won't. I'm sure yeah, I'm we'll. sorry. We sure will. That's it's, okay. Oh, it does say primarily uh, houses medium security general pop. Whatever. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> and the guy's bleeding and crying at the yeah. end, so it's hilarious, and he's never yeah. going to get out, and the prison industrial <laughs> complex is a real issue, much like the housing crisis. <laughs> then we move on to Miguel, uh, who is getting kind of an assessment from a doctor, he does like the classic film thing of like poking his foot. Like it's such a, yeah. we've seen it a thousand times, you know, poke a needle into his foot and he's like, I don't know. I can't sense anything. And then they go outside and uh, he sees his mother's reaction to the news. But I feel like the whole, when you poke the foot with a pen, it's a pen, to be fair, not like a needle. So yeah. um, I don't know. It is, it, it, it's some great acting, of course, as always. Uh, from our boy um, kind of being like oh shit uh, even though it's not like explicit like it's not over the top he's just like oh wait this is horrible um, and so he's just kind of coming to terms realizing that at least his brain works yes well and also like I guess I meant to speak on this a bit at the end of the last episode and it comes more into play as this episode ends I, I keep coming back to my my mantra that Miguel is the heart and soul of this show. Yes, you yeah. have your Johnny Lawrence. Yes, you have your Daniel LaRusso. You have Mr. Miyagi. You have the cool karate kid. But Miguel is the fucking heart and soul. And as we see, like, yeah, you're right. Like, he has kind of his initial reaction. He sees his mom upset. And then he's, like, looking at his feet. And as we get into some of his reactions with Johnny later in this episode, I just feel more and more emboldened in my stance on that. Yeah. Uh, he's like the hidden, he's the hidden secret sauce. Absolutely. And I mean, as he is, he is broken down as is the, like, you know, the world of the show right now. Everything yeah. is kind of dealing with the aftermath of, uh, of the big karate fight. And he obviously physically is dealing with that <laughs> as an expression of it and doing a great job of it. Um, we see a bit more Tango and Cashing specifically. <laughs> yeah. They're in the car and Amanda calls and there's some hilarious stuff with Johnny where he tries to talk into the steering wheel. Like, Hi, Amanda. Um, and they they kind of are talking about he outs them as having been to prison and like beat up some perps or whatever. Uh, and Daniel's annoyed that he tells his wife and he's like, I'm not going to lie to your wife for you. Uh, and the and, bit with uh, like all, the pretzels yeah. or the combos, whatever he's eating. Uh, yes, that he gets yeah, at, like the... Daniel's like, don't get it everywhere. He's like, of course I won't. Of course, we start seeing 
hints that he will be getting those things everywhere. Um, yeah, and they spe- they specifically say they were doing like the good cop bad cop thing. Amanda has to remind them that <laughs> neither of them are cops because they've definitely <laughs> forgotten because they're in that sort of like you said, 80s action movie mode because they're both... Like, it makes sense that the show is kind of treating this as a buddy cop thing because they are, from, like, obsessed with 80s culture yeah. themselves and they're from that era. So they're, I, I don't see it as, like, the show uh, imposing this format on them. I see it as them, like, acting out this fantasy, which is explicitly said in this scene, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, and you, And yeah. I mean, any... I mentioned this a little bit in my initial thoughts. I still love any moment when we get to have some Daniel and Johnny back and forth, but I was totally thinking during this episode, like what dumb thing is going to happen (laughs) for this to like not be a thing. So I I didn't Mm -hmm. like allow myself to do, get too excited about it, which I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't be trying to think ahead of the stories. Just be, let the story just, just bask in it but I couldn't help myself. I get where you're coming from there. I was just, I think this is where I was sort of helped by not watching it in a long string of episodes where like I spent enough time on episode two and that I was like hyped for it as an individual episode rather than like a stepping stone and not really trusting that it's going to go to the next logical thing sort of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I totally see where you're coming from as well because that does happen in the fight in the garage where like oh I never should have trusted you or whatever etc. Because if we skip ahead because we have Crease uh, chatting with Tori, we've already kind of covered um, what that's about. He wants her to come back and do karate, and she, being reasonable for literally once in her life, is yeah. like I have to work and I've been expelled, and I have probation stuff, and I have to support this whole family. Karate's not really at the top of my list right now, bro. But honestly, like, <laughs> Which, uh, she's yeah. being very untory here, in my opinion. Yeah, by being reasonable, you mean? Yeah, yes. because we've <laughs> never seen this Tory before. Uh, and yeah. obviously, characters ha- are multifaceted and different sides, but we're essentially watching a conversation from the two craziest people on the show. Um, and, yeah. you know, not even getting into some of the stuff that happens later this season, just basing it off of season two and the way she calls Sam out and then the way she was, like, very happy to, like, disfigure her or whatever she planned to, like, attempt. Maybe it wasn't quite murder, but, yeah, she was going to, like, punch her face in with nail like nails or pins or whatever she had on her bracelet that she'd already sliced her arm with and left a scar so she's a crazy person it's the flip side of what sam was talking about <laughs> when people think oh if girls fight they're crazy i'm sorry tori is crazy but we'll see yes uh for sure like no this you're, you're kind of right the the tori we're seeing in this scene is as separate from the Tory we've seen in the rest of the show as Crease at the start of the flashback is from the Crease we see now, like in that he was like, a, you know, this wimp and kind of a freak and an outcast at the start and, and all that. There, uh, Even though he's not that different. But yeah, there's this whole arc of difference from between where Crease was then and where he is now. But for Tori, the, like for Crease, that's a difference of a lot of years. And for Tori, that's literally just making her trying to make her more sympathetic by sort of giving her more of an insight into her situation and where she's at. But we will see how that plays out in the rest of the season, because of course crease goes and he, he, I actually have to, I was so distracted by the whole car 
sequence that I don't even clearly remember the scene with Crease and the landlord, but it pretty much plays out the way you expect it to play out, right? With yes, him yeah. just uh, well, he shows yeah, he has up. The cigar, yeah. Thing. The, the the cigar thing that he had in the earlier scene with Hawk. Um, which I think it's in Dark Man they do a similar thing because I know I've seen something like that in a movie before. I mean, of course, cigar cutters are perfect for cutting fingers off. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think in between that we see the young crease like sticking up for um, uh, that girl when he she, it's like David I think is the bully's name uh, when he's like uh, I've seen you making eyes at someone again and he's like kind of ready to, like smack her around. And then he he fights those two dudes and, you know, he gets a little beat up, but then he he he, uh, he wins because he's he's a hero. Uh, but then, yeah, then we see him when he goes after the guy, the guy's like, oh, what a show you money. And then he starts making some, you know, snide comments. And then it turns into crease being like, well, maybe we should have a deal here. And he's about to cut his finger off. And I totally just expected that he would. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean of course i guess it does make sense that he wouldn't he's got more leverage i suppose yeah and like since we're talking about crease the in the like ending of the episode when he gets on the bus to actually go because obviously from the start of the flashback there was this whole thing about joining the army we know his army background is a central part of his character um i was the fact that he gets the girl is kind of I don't know why that's so weird. I'm just so yeah. used to that type of trope being subverted nowadays. But he's literally like, hey, you get your dirty hands off of her yeah, yeah. and like beats up the bullies and gets the girl. And he did have a crush on the girl all along. And there is no like subversion of any expectation there. It's, it's, but it feels it like it makes sense because we're in you know, we're in a flashback, we're in a different era where these tropes weren't subverted, they were played through, but in real life sort of thing. Does that make sense? No, no, that makes sense. Because, I, 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 I mean, it, they are, because they're doing this shorthand, too, of like, you know, I, it is kind of weird that I guess he does pick up the thing, so we get that he's thinking he could go to the army and be a hero, but it just feels like he's already a hero. But, I don't know, yeah. I guess knowing the character and I guess a little piece of his home life with his mom. Maybe it makes sense. He's striving for more or something. Uh, I do want to call out the obvious edits that they do that, that they think are, I mean, I guess they don't, I don't know if they necessarily think they're clever, but you know, we have the, Hey, need a lift and then pumps that cuts to the gas pump that says lift on it. And then when he's about to cut the finger, we cut to the hot dog being cut. I don't like those. (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah the yeah i didn't like the lift one the hot dog i didn't mind maybe i've just been become like i've been watching a lot of buffy yeah and uh recently and it stands out to you more as like a repeating pattern when you're re-watching it but you know how often they like to do like say a thing and then cut immediately to that thing happening yeah. uh if if that adds up like it's just all the time when like oh i couldn't get any worse and like cut to it getting worse but like it's almost every cut in some episodes that you're like ah, oh, yeah i get it joss whedon one of the best um, ones so on, I, if we're talking buffy real quick one of the best ones on buffy is i forget who's talking maybe it's spike and they're talking about how the slayer and how she's a genius and you don't like you don't want to underestimate her. And then it cuts to Buffy and she's got ink all over her hands and she's like, stupid pen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great one. Yeah, Watch Buffy. <laughs> uh, but when we do cut to the gas station, we yeah. we have 
Johnny and Daniel spotting. Well, first they they get a text from Amanda saying that Miguel's out of the coma. Yeah. Please tell Johnny, which is very kind of her. Um, and obviously that's good news for once. But they it's kind of set aside for a second because they spot the car and go chasing after it. And the guy run. Okay, I want to ask what happened to this car because last episode. Robbie's counting quarters uh, or whatever, and he's at the car. So does he sell the car for money, or does it get stolen? Like, um, and why I, does this guy run away immediately? I think the guy uh, said he he's it's stolen. I or? think he said he stole it because he's like, I thought I thought oh, okay. he said something like he he stole it uh, when when Johnny's beating him up. There is a little bit okay. of banter. I don't mean to backtrack too much. There's a little banter about gas station food, which I like. Uh, but, yeah, they, they see the guy, and I think the reason why he takes off is because, yeah, he stole the car, and he's, I guess, in the process of bringing it to the chop shop where he ends up leading them to. Um, and that's where, you know, the big fight happens. Well, to be fair, also, I noticed the car on the back, it actually said, like, it, it doesn't have a license plate. It yeah. says, like, LaRusso Auto Group. And, you know, Daniel's son is famous in the Valley. He's the best <laughs> auto dealer. His That's face true. is all over. So imagine you have that, and you're like, oh, shit, it's the guy. He's about to kick me. It's like, he kicks the competition. Um, we get a sweet-ass uh, car chase where Johnny's driving and Daniel's being the neurotic one. They do have, th- like, this dynamic, their buddy cop dynamic. It's something we have seen, obviously, since the start, but it's also great to have that sort of uh, Daniel complaining about things, Johnny not giving a fuck as they try to solve problems together and him driving his car like a crazy person uh, and kind of wrecking the, the the mirrors and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then they arrive at the chop shop, as you say, run in, they're out of their elements, they've got all these cool criminals, and they end up fighting. Yeah, because it's like, because you know, Daniel's still kind of going off on the, all right, we're in over our heads, let's just call the, like, he's just, it is funny that he just says it out loud, like, in the midst of it, let's just get out of here and yeah. call the cops, And it, it, but it's even better that the dudes are like, Oh, call the cops, you say. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, we're not going to let you leave then. Um, but this, all this stuff is kind of perfection. The way Johnny yeah. pushes Daniel out and then punches, pushes him out of the way and then punches the guy. And then we have this fucking awesome team up battle. It's, it's great. This is the stuff, you know, if you told uh, a 2018 me... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that hey in season three wait till episode two when there's gonna be a kick-ass brawl like this is great stuff but again in my dumb brain initially when i'm watching i'm like ah what are they gonna do though like how they're gonna break this up but it's still well done fights as uh, as well i think it's well choreographed i like the way it uh you see kind of like the differences in their styles as well like kind of shows through a bit in the way they fight uh, I think it's all good, and the way, uh, just the fact that they also kind of have each other's backs is great too. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, when they take out the last guy, as you, I think, were referencing, it's like Daniel does the high kick, yep. which is his trademark. It's not the trademark kick, but it's a high kick. Yeah. And Johnny, what does he do? He sweeps yeah. the leg. Yeah, he does. Uh, and there's, and it's exactly what they've been doing to each other. But now <laughs> they literally have a common enemy between them to take the punch. So you know, it's fantastic fan service stuff. Been waiting for ages. Uh, 
the only yeah disappointing thing is that Johnny runs after this guy and as you said beats him up uh he said that it was stolen as you said right okay. and then yeah. but then immediately uh Daniel's like thinking that he's going too far though to be fair he was think- saying that ever since the car chase as well that they need to stop this shit and Johnny's just beating this guy up so they're immediately the alliance is broken uh, yeah. almost as quickly as it formed. And we get a little piece of uh, Daniel and Johnny fighting as well. And then they kind of both yeah. kick each other away. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah. The, thus end, ends the um, the team up. The kick-ass team up comes to an end. Johnny gets to kind of keep the <laughs> minivan. <laughs> Even though he's like, you better bring that back. <laughs> you better bring that back to yes. LaRusso Auto. <laughs> yeah. And so... Daniel just has the time to sort of uh, rush out of there and they kind of talk about Robbie as well. Like, oh, you think you're such a great teacher? Look what happened to Robbie oh, after yeah. you, you know, trained him and all that. Um, and they had, do you, so did you have a little heart to heart there where he's like, I, I'm willing to admit when I fail. Uh, and he but, says maybe but he's he also a- like, maybe he's just got too much of you in him. Yep. Yeah, that's then that hurts. Uh, that's a low blow. Although I guess the, the other being a bad teacher is a low blow as well. So yeah, they're just they're they're they know how to hurt each other and hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, Johnny gets in the stolen car, and as you said, he says, "You better return that to the dealership." Daniel, it's is it? It's like immediately gets a phone call about where Robbie is. I think basically, um, yeah. We just know he gets a phone call, and he's like, "I'll be right there," and then it's kind of revealed that he. He comes back to the rehab where Robbie's mom is and Robbie has gone there. I, I guess assuming filling in the blanks, like if the, the car did get stolen, he already was just working off change. He kind of has nowhere else to go. So he shows up to talk to his mom. Yeah. And from here, we kind of have two scenes to end up the episode, two scenes and a kind of pep talk from Crease. So we have the two father figures in this show talking to their adoptive sons, where (laughs) we start with Johnny talking to Miguel, and then we have Daniel talking to Robbie, and then we have a quick Crease speech, which we like to open and close most episodes with these (laughs) uh, these days. Um, But yeah, it's basically both, both of those father figures being just told fuck you by uh the equivalent child so obviously let's start with miguel and johnny miguel is in a place of desperation where he's obviously just woken up he hasn't had any time to process what's happened to him so in his world he as he says like he's trying well he's trying to figure out why this has happened to him obviously you're always going to be like fuck this is terrible i might never walk again um and he is looking for something to blame. And he does have a point in blaming Johnny. Because at first I'm kind of like, he's overreacting in the like, Johnny doesn't control the universe. Like, he, it's <laughs> obviously not completely Johnny's fault. But when, so it feels a bit unfair when Miguel is like, I did everything you said. I showed mercy and this is what happened. Like, and he yells at him to get out and everything. A, that makes sense because it's a fucking emotional moment. It's difficult for him. He has just had all of this information laid on him that he might never walk. But also, B, 
if you look at the first seasons, he has basically, much like I, I assume the stereotype of someone going to study under an Asian master in the woods, he has dedicated himself fully yeah. to following Johnny's every fucking word. He stopped having asthma because Johnny said so. He has consumed all of 80s media like it's fucking Ready Player One because Johnny likes it and told him it's cool. So basically everything in the world, he is following Johnny's law. And so it, he he is right in that sense in that Johnny's guidance has failed him and put him in this place. Um, well, so that's well, where I'm at with this scene. No, I, I, I'm in complete agreement because he doesn't really, he doesn't really like get angry until Johnny doesn't have an answer for him. And I mean, and not that it's like Johnny could ever answer that question of why did this happen to me? But you're like, cause of everything you said, he's followed Johnny this whole time at the very least, if Johnny could at least explain or tell him what they need to do next time or something. But of course he can't. And then it's like, you know, that's why he's like, you don't know, like you, you, like you don't have an answer. And then it's like, look at me. Like, cause Johnny can't even look at him and he breaks down. He's like, just get the hell out of here. And you know, this is where everyone's heartbroken because you know, Johnny needs Miguel, maybe even more so than Miguel needs Johnny in in a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, and some great acting from our our boy Cholo. Yes, um, yeah, absolutely. Here, as he kind of breaks down and just tells him to get out of there, because um, obviously, before like it, like you said, he's asking why this happened. He needs to make sense of it. Um, and like before this earlier in the episode he's asking his mother like where's my sensei i need him in order to make sense of this and johnny doesn't have any answers like he's obviously there to give support or whatever's needed but johnny's lost himself and just seeing that like if johnny came in and he had his fucking gi and was like you're quiet like <laughs> yeah. immediately i feel like it it might have gone over better even though he would have been just as wrong in in a lot of stuff but what's he supposed to say yeah you should have kicked my son off the railing instead and broken his back no yeah. violence isn't always the answer he, uh, he'll figure it out he'll get there they'll, they'll get there um so the next scene then with robbie what do you make of this scene, Jim? So, yeah, we have Robbie with Daniel. And the thing is, it's it's kind of a shame. Like, it makes sense over these two episodes that we haven't really been with Robbie at all. But it's also kind of a shame because, I mean, just think of where he's at. Like, a lot. obviously, I think his actions, again, like most characters, like the writers are good. So his actions make a lot of sense. Um I mean, he obviously doesn't want to get in trouble or deal with the consequence of his action because he didn't mean to kick someone off of a fucking kick someone off a balcony, but he's lost his father and then he lost his like fill in father. And I think he even says it in this, right? Where he, I think one of his, doesn't his line say like, um, yeah, it was a mistake to help me. Like all he yeah. can think now is that he's bad. He's a bad person. And there's he he's obviously thinking that he himself was even foolish to think otherwise. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty hefty stuff as a kid to have to deal with. And, you know, even as an adult, when people do things for your own good, it's hard to gauge that in the moment. And, you know, no amount of explaining that Daniel tries to do here when you know, the cops do show up and he has to kind of turn himself in. 
uh, he's not going to be able to get it. And it's going to take a long time, uh, I would imagine, for him to get it. So I, I just I guess it's similar with Miguel, although we did get to we got to be a little bit more with Miguel before having his, you know, showdown with uh, Johnny. But we didn't. We don't really get anything with Robbie because he's kind of the 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 mystery that we're searching. He's the uh, the what's the fucking word? What the in storytelling the um the thing you chase? Like there's always like a thing you have to get. Like we got to get the sword, or we have to get this. Like Robbie, yeah, the MacGuffin. Yeah, Robbie is kind of the MacGuffin yeah. to set up the Daniel and Johnny stuff. So we can't even have moments of him whether it be trying to interact with uh, other bums or whatever the hell he's dealing with or stealing stuff to eat. You know, we can't have that because he's the MacGuffin that they're chasing. See, I like that stuff you said about how, Robbie, we get a little bit of a view on what's been going on with him and that he's blaming himself. Much like every single character in the show, by the way, <laughs> yeah. except Amanda, who rightly doesn't think she did anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like every other character is blaming themselves right now. Um, and maybe that's saying a little something about humanity. Obviously, Robbie is in part right to blame himself. He did kick Miguel off the thing. But Daniel says, look, no, we the, you can learn from your mistakes. And this is very much tied into like his conversation, obviously, that he just had after his fight with, uh, with uh, Johnny, where he's like saying that at least I can admit my mistakes and Johnny was telling him what a bad teacher he was to Robbie and so it's put him in the place where he can say this stuff about I'm going to help you I'm going to be with you every step of the way and I feel like it's a cop out like not just literally it's like the cops come in but it's like it's a bit of a cop out from the writers that Daniel fucks this up so bad with the timing. Yeah. Like literally 10 more minutes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this only happens so that Robbie can say, fuck you, Daniel. I'm like going to go off and then I'm going to have my own storyline and I'm not going to listen to you and be part of Miyagi-Do or what have you. Like it's, it, it's a bit shit because Daniel just doesn't do the thing he says at the start of the episode that he's going to do. He's going to talk to him and convince him to turn himself in. He just skips that part. And I get that he just had a big fight. Maybe it's a bit of a panic situation or whatever, trying to resolve it before he runs away again. And and he's already been in a big fight today. He's maybe not going to be able to restrain Robbie if that's needed or whatever. But it just, he doesn't do the thing he set out to do at all. He fucks it up so bad. And they were just talking about how he's going to learn from his mistakes mistakes and he doesn't get he doesn't he he starts to do it like there's an implication in his eyes of when the cops come in of like oh shit they're here already but it's just so bad because it completely taints their entire like relationship obviously in this one move and i feel like it's not really earned it's just daniel fucking up on the timing instead of fucking up with something real i think the way they're trying to present it though is that the cops are the ones fucking up the timing um but then again, mm-hmm. I guess it, it is. It does have to be inferred that he called them. I guess, but it comes he said, off. He said he, he says that he told them that he'd turn you'd you'd turn yourself yeah. in willingly. But when Robbie tries to run, like, is that not going to be in the police report? Like, yeah, how no, is that going to be helpful then? Because <laughs> because I can't like I'm trying to gauge on if like was it a situation where the like I I guess this isn't what happened. But I think what they want to feel like happened is that. You know, just outside this gate or whatever, Daniel was with the police and he's like, all right, well, let me just go in and talk to him first. Let me say what's going on. And then these Mm -hmm. like idiot cops are like, it's been enough time. Let's go in there. Let's get this kid. I think that's what they want 
the feeling to be, but I think I, I do side more with what you're saying. It does come off as like Daniel kind of fucked it up. Yeah, because I feel like he shouldn't have called the like he, he could have called sh- the cops at all. Yes. until he talked to him. He could have talked uh, to him, and then like he that like I thought the plan was from the beginning, get him to agree, and then you know then you get he he said he talked to a lawyer or whatever, you know then the lawyer comes and then they go and turn themselves in. But yeah, the cops show up and it does it doesn't look like he's turned himself in because he runs and they have to kind of tackle him or grab him like harshly and like hey yeah you don't have to do that to him yeah so it's just kind of like he's robbie is looking for guidance almost as much as miguel here because he's talking about how he's the worst and when daniel gives him an inkling of no you're not like we all make mistakes and i can help you etc he's got this look in his eye that he obviously wants and needs that um so it's just kind of a shame that it's uh i don't know it's 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 fucked up by this external thing that I feel like D- Daniel. It's not touched on. Well, this is kind of a spoiler, I guess, but it's not like they talk about those fucking cops came in too early. Like it's not brought <laughs> yeah, up. It seems sure. like this was his plan. Yeah, it, there's no like thing that shows that this wasn't what he meant to do, which makes me feel like, well, Daniel, you just keep fucking up then. <laughs> yeah, I'm and, sorry. <laughs> and you're you're totally right. It's just there so we can have that moment where Robbie, where he's like, I'll visit you every day, and he's like, don't bother. Like he, you know, he doesn't yeah. want anything to do with Daniel. Um. So, yeah, then we have Crease and we hear about, uh, you know, we're only as strong as our weakest links. Now we're one unit, you know, great speech. I was just building everything, everyone up with the one united purpose. Uh, and then Tori comes in and she's like, oh, you know, that thing I had to worry about, that's no longer, that's no longer an issue. So she's back in the fold. And it, like I said before, it just makes complete sense that she... Like, why would she give her alliance to anyone besides Cobra Kai? Because no one else is helping her. Uh, and yeah. I guess, you know, in a little bit to what Sam was talking about, even though even though I do think Tori's crazy based off what we've seen her on the show, it is yeah. kind of fucked up that uh, these other people, you know, Amanda, Daniel, even I guess they don't know her and they have their own point of view, but no one's thinking about, well, what would push this girl to be the way she is? So she does kind of have a point. Yeah. So we get a quick flashback as well to Chris going off to the, to, to basic training to the army. And then we get back and he's given this speech about, you know, that we touched on at the start. They, everyone thinks they're the hero. It's something you've talked about on your other podcast. Yes. Them. It's everyone one thinks fa- they're the hero. One of my favorite um, things is how everyone thinks they're the hero in their story. And they yeah. are. I mean, everyone is the hero in their own story. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of Crease touching on the core uh, you know, questions and ideas of the show, uh, as he's wont to do <laughs> in his little speeches. <laughs> and he talks about how they're going to be, uh, I believe, uh, unstoppable if they just recognize their power, etc., etc. He's being menacing. And then we end the episode. Yeah, good is a matter of perspective. And uh, yeah, basically, there is no good or evil. And, you know, here we go. They're going to be unstoppable. Uh, so, you know, do with that as you will, world. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. 
Yeah, we will see uh, in our discussion of episode three coming soon to this podcast feed. Uh, do, if you have a moment, take the time to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would be much appreciated. Uh, you can, of course, also email your thoughts to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com if you want to weigh in on the events of the show. And uh, beyond that, is there anything else we should mention, Jim? Maybe one uh, last thing? I think there is just one last thing. Oh, what's that? Strike first. Strike hard. No No mercy. mercy.